It is a joy and it is an honor and a privilege to be with you all this morning. I want to thank you all for making it out here and allowing me this opportunity with your time uh, to share a portion of God's Word with you all this morning. I want to thank you for your attention to our presentation. Uh, just That's just a, a brief uh, short presentation as to what God has been doing through our family in Brashov, Romania. I'm Colt Mackerel. I want to thank Brother Lynn for introducing me, but I want to thank you all so very much for uh, your prayers, for your support, which goes beyond just your financial giving to us on a monthly basis. It, 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 it carries over into uh, you allowing us to stay, as Brother Lynn said, in that mission house across the street. And you don't know what that means to a missionary who has uh, a wife and three little girls who we need a, a stable, foundational place to know that at the end of the evening where we've been traveling, visiting family, updating churches, we've got a place to stay and to call home away from our home in Brashov, Romania. So thank you all so very much. Um, yes, we've been in Romania for now two, almost two and a half years where we've been learning the language and adapting to the culture. And I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way since Lynn has told you to tell me uh, later on to say John 3.16 in Romanian. If you didn't hear it in your Sunday school class, here it is. Ioan uh, Zice așa, așa în Biblia, spus așa. Fiindcă atât de mult a iubit Dumnezeu, că a dat pe singurul lui fiu, pentru că oricine cred în el, să nu piară, ci să aibă viața veșnică. And it says the same thing in English as it does in Romanian. It says the same, there's no difference. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? You believe that? The people of Romania need to know that desperately as we need to know that here. And so uh, we've been learning that. And so what I want you to do for us is to continue to pray for us. Please, we need your prayers. More than anything, we need you to pray for us as we're here on furlough. Yes, that we'll uh, be able to update the churches, go place to place that God has allowed us to in the future uh, to go and to give these reports. But uh, we're also here raising uh, what we hope will be the rest of our support to be 100% in our month-to-month -month, uh, support. And you guys are a big part of that, and so we want to say thank you. But we're also back on furlough, uh, raising awareness of this. But here's the big thing. Please. Remember this in your prayers. Pray for the people of Romania. Maybe you hear a lot of missionaries come through and they say, pray for the people of the nation and the people that I minister to. But listen, you guys, this is crucial. The people of Romania, if you were to ask them, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? They would say yes. They know Jesus Christ. They know He is a Savior. Uh, but they do not believe in that He is their personal Savior. They just believe He is a Savior and that if they follow their seven sacraments in the Orthodox Church, they can hopefully one day, possibly, with a little ounce of hope and some money, make it to heaven. And so there's no hope in that. And what I found in my two years of learning the language and adapting to the culture is as I learned this crucial element, this is what I want you to pray about. There's no understanding of personal sin that needs to be repented of. Do you understand that? Because if we don't repent of our personal sin and acknowledge that we need a Savior, we need Jesus as our Savior who died in our place for our sins, then we can't be saved. We've got to acknowledge that. And so the question I ask all the time is instead of do you know Jesus as your Savior is have you repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? And the, the answer they always give is what sin? What sin do I need to repent of? 
And so pray that, one, God will open doors to the gospel, that we will be able to present that. But then, as Paul said in Colossians 4 and verse 4, that we will make it clearly known as we ought to. Amen? Because we want them to clearly understand the gospel and that Jesus is a personal Savior who died for their personal sin and offers them forgiveness of that sin and then eternity in heaven. And so... We want to, to pray specifically about that, but also, finally, that building you saw in those pictures in Zernesht. That's where, Lord willing, we have a vision to start a church. So pray with us about uh, the folks in that city, but also for that building. We're here raising funds uh, to uh, do some renovations on that building so that we can have services, Lord willing, year-round. So uh, remember those things. Any other questions, things that I've, I've not covered, uh, please feel free to come and ask me. Um, if it's another Bible verse you want me to quote... I might can do that too, so just, you know, nothing out of uh, Song of Solomon or nothing like that, you know, don't ask me that, I haven't gotten that far. So if you will, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 40. We're going to be looking in Psalm 40 today, and I would like to encourage you. Can I do that? Can I encourage you this morning? You don't sound too convinced that you're going to be, can I, can I encourage you this morning? Yes? We need encouragement, don't we? Look with me in Psalm 40. What I want you to look with me is in verse 12. David is writing here in this psalm. And I didn't uh, include this in my original message this morning, but I want to say this. David knew what it meant. He understood the necessity of being encouraged. He understood what it meant to be encouraged and needing that encouragement for his life. I think one of the greatest things I learned, Brother Lynn, through MTM is that when you had taught a message on encouragement, encouraging yourself in the Lord, I did not understand how important that was to encourage myself in the Lord until I moved to the mission field where the realities of everything come crashing in on you. And you very much feel like David in verse 12 where he says, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. But he doesn't just... It's not just this general innumerable evils like, you know, he's, he's on the run for his life from King Saul. He knows he's the anointed one to be next in line to be king of Israel, but he's running for his life. You know, we face general evils in this broken and fallen world in which we live. But, but David takes it even more personal and he says, Mine iniquities, he said, have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Does your heart fail you sometimes? Just feel broken? And I love the slogan this morning that we were in that video about finding a place we can call home. Listen, we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us in the Lord. We need to surround ourselves like David did with people who are going to point him to God's goodness in his life. That even though David was faced with innumerable evils, even though the weight of his sin crushed him and made him feel so weighed down, he had people that pointed him back to Jesus. But you know, he had to learn to do that himself. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And that's why I believe Psalm 40 is here for us this morning, is David is writing this. In fact, he, he takes that, that weight that he talks about in verse 4. He says, for mine iniquities, if you go in Psalm 38 and verse 4, he says, for mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. Does that sound familiar, like what he's writing in verse 12 of Psalm 40? Innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. He says, they're so far up, I can't see my way out. 
He says, they're more numerable than the hairs of mine head. Now, now for me, I think, well, okay, that must, it's not a lot for me. You know, I've got a bald spot back here, and I've got a widow's peak in the front, so hairs of my head, I, I must be doing okay. But see, it's not just about that idea that it's, you can count the hairs. I'm not going to count the hairs of my head. I'm not going to sit there in front of a mirror one. Two. No, he was talking about the idea there's so many, you're not going to take the time to begin to count them. And he said, it's like being in a pit. He said, it's in verse 2 of Psalm 40, he said, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of a miry clay. So he's talking about being so discouraged about all the evils that he faces, about his own personal iniquity, that he's being weighed down, he's being crushed, and it's like being in this pit, and he's so far down, he cannot see his way out, and his heart fails him. Do you feel that way sometimes? Well, let's be honest. It's not easy being a Christian, is it? It's not easy at all. And we feel the weight of our, of, of our personal sin that weighs us down. We get up and we think, man, I, I really blew it. I'm not living, I know I'm not living, I'm not doing everything I could possibly do to be serving the Lord. And our heart fails us. And we need that encouragement in the Lord. And even those of us who aren't, who aren't maybe you're not saved this morning, maybe you don't know of the encouragement of salvation in Jesus Christ. He says, He brought me up out of a horrible pit. Our sin, he's talking about his personal iniquities here, it's like that horrible pit that he's stuck far in, it's like miry clay. Have you ever been stuck in miry clay. Have you ever been stuck in the mud is what we would say today? I've been stuck in the mud before. I grew up in Austin, Arkansas, just, you know, a few miles north up the road and past Cabot. And uh, I grew up on this beautiful two and a half acre plot of land that my parents had for a time. And next to that ran a really, really beautiful creek bed. And it would swell up really, really big when the rains would come. And it would swell up sometimes even into our yard and into the lands all around and so one time it had rained really big, swelled up, gone back down. Me and my brother got our rubber boots on, and we decided we're going to go, we're going to explore. Okay, so we crossed, we found a, we crossed the creek, it had gone down, we, we found a, a shallow spot, we crossed in our rubber boots, we're so happy, you know, this is fun, we're exploring, we're like explorers back when they were exploring the United States before it became what it is today, and we cross past the tree line, and we see a field of dreams, y'all just a field of mud as far as you could see and we just we decided we had this big idea we're going to cross that field of mud and so we got our rubber boots on right and we're we're going in we're making the first initial steps it's a lot of fun this is neat we're getting all in our new rubber boots getting muddy and as we begin getting further out into that field it gets harder and harder to make those steps until we get to the uh, we're just we're stuck we can't move. And at first it was funny. Yeah, it's amusing. My, brother's, my little brother was laughing at me. And I was laughing at him. We're both stuck. But after a few minutes, you know what we realize? We're stuck. And we can't get out. And so we're shouting, help, help, someone help us. There's no one out there to hear us. No one heard our cries for help. We're stuck. David says that's what it's like in your sin. You're stuck in your sin. And even if you realize that you're stuck and you're crying out for help, you know what? It's not like me and my brother where no one was around to hear for help. David said in verse 1 of Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the, for, um, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
That's encouraging because when we realize I'm stuck in the mud, there's nothing I can do to get myself out of the situation I'm in. When we cry to the Lord, He does not ignore us. He inclines His ear and He hears us. He hears our cries for help. And if you, this morning, if you're lost and you realize I'm lost in my sin, there's nothing I can do to get out of it. Listen, apparently I got out of the mud, right? I'm standing before you here today. Me and my brother did make it out of the mud. But maybe you're thinking, I, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the salvation that you speak of. I don't need that. I can get myself out. Listen, I got myself out of the mud. I had to leave those boots behind. I had to walk barefoot in that cold mud. It was freezing cold. And our, our, our feet were numb. We were filthy by the time we made it back home and we were ashamed and we were discouraged and then on top of it we got in trouble because we left the rubber boots in the mud and mom and dad were angry because those were expensive boots you see that's what sin does to us is we think we can make it across we think we can get ourselves out of it but what it will always do what sin always does is it leaves us feeling dirty and ashamed and broken and in the same position, if we're honest with ourselves, when we were stuck in the mud, we're still stuck. Just we find ourselves stuck in a different state, a different sin, a different emotion. But when we realize the only one who can pull us up out of that miry clay is Jesus, and when we cry out to him in our sin and in our problems, he hears us, and that's encouraging. In a world where we feel like we're not heard, in a world where we feel like we've got to plead out, whether on social media or any avenue we can find for people to hear our voice, and nobody still hears us and nobody understands us, Jesus hears you. He understands because He walked this world too. He was in the mud with us, and yet He was not covered in it. He did not get stuck in the mud. He lived the perfect, sinless life. And then, to make it even better, He died on the cross for you willingly because He loves you. And He goes to that cross willingly and He endures the wrath of God for your sin. And He dies. Nobody kills Him. He gives up the ghost. He gives up His life. He freely lays it down for you. And then they buried him, but it was in a borrowed tomb because three days later, he rose victoriously. And so now, we, when, when people say, put your faith in Jesus for, for forgiveness of your sins, you're not putting your faith in a dead man who by all accounts looked innocent. No, he is the Son of God who was perfect, sinless, who willingly went to the cross for your sin and rose victoriously, conquering sin, death, and the grave. And you know what? He did it all for you because he loves you. And so when you cry out to him, he inclines his ear into you and he hears you. That's encouraging. But David makes it even more encouraging in verse 6 when he says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Jesus didn't tell uh, David, God didn't tell David, look, look, son, you, you got yourself in that situation. Uh, you're going to have to get yourself out. You, you knew what you were doing, and yet you did it anyways. Um, what, do you, what do you expect from me? And he doesn't say, well, I tell you what, you meet me halfway. You provide that sacrifice, 
and I will meet you halfway and help you out. No, David said, you required nothing of me, and you pulled me up out of the miry clay, of the mud, and you established me on the rock. He establishes us on himself, because the one who can pull us out, the only one who can pull us out, and the one who can save us from our sins, forgive us of our sins, conquer death and the grave is the only one that we need to be remaining on in our foundation. That song we sung that Brother Aaron led us in, that rock of our salvation is who our lives need to be built on because there's nothing else, nothing else and no one else. And he says he established my goings. He's with us. He's so merciful towards us. Look at what he says in verse 11. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. God is so merciful towards us. He doesn't, in other words, he doesn't leave us in the mud where we deserve to be. We deserve to be stuck in our sins, and we deserve the punishment for our sin, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Do you believe that? It's encouraging good news this morning because He is merciful towards us. And that mercy goes hand in hand with grace because He doesn't just not give us what we deserve. He gives us freely what we do not deserve. That's forgiveness of the sin. Forgiveness and a personal relationship with Him. And the guarantee that if the one who died on the cross, the one who died, as Revelation said, and yet is alive, made us a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with us. And then he furthered that promise and said, I'm coming back for you. That's encouraging. I want us to, uh, to finish this morning in verse 17. But before we do that, Look at what the natural response is. Verse 3, David says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. All of that encouragement for David led to joy. Joy unspeakable. It was like he said a new song had been put into his mouth. He wasn't singing the old song of, I'm stuck in the mud and no one can save me. He was singing a new song that Jesus pulled me up out and established me. He saved me. That welled up to joy inside David's heart. Listen, when Jesus has done that for us, the natural response ought to be joy, shouldn't it? See, happiness is seasonal. Happiness comes, happiness goes. Today, everything's going great. Tomorrow, we may feel the world is falling apart. That's happiness. But joy, if the one who placed it in your heart is eternal, it's eternal joy. That no matter what circumstances you are in and what you are facing, you can have joy. Because the one who put it there is there with you. He's not left you. And you can face anything in this life knowing that. And he says in verse 17, this is the most encouraging verse of all. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. The most encouraging word that we could have this morning, yes, is that Jesus died for us. Yes, is that he saves us in spite of who we are. It says that in, in Romans 5, 8, but while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. That, that's love. That's how God demonstrates His love toward us. But what's so encouraging is that even though maybe this morning you are saved, and all, this isn't a new story for you. You've heard this your entire life maybe, and you don't find encouragement in it anymore. Think about this. His thoughts are on you. God is a real person. How, how, how many of you have stopped and thought about that? God is real. He's alive. He is a real person. He's in heaven. His Holy Spirit is here with us this morning. His Son died for you personally, loves you, and His thoughts are on you. That's encouraging. So that when you face anything in this life, you can think, no one else may know what I'm going through. No one else may understand. No one else may care. But Jesus does. Jesus loves us. Jesus cares for us. And the God of the universe who spoke light into existence, spoke light into existence, who gave us beautiful music to hear, we look outside at the sun that keeps us warm, and all of the beautiful creation that all he did was speak it into existence. The Creator thinks about you. And that's encouraging. That's worth getting up in the morning and having that new song in your heart. The greatest witness that you could ever have going out from that point is just telling people how good God is to you. They can't argue with that. 